Hello and welcome to the Energy Talk Podcast. My name is Olubumi Olajide and thank you for joining us again this week. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the topic of women in energy. So uh, as you may know, as you may not know, the percentage of women in energy has always been very little around the world and especially when it comes to senior positions. So today we're going to speak with a woman who has is not only in the energy industry but also in a C-suite position, a leadership position in the industry as well to understand the unique challenges they faced and to learn more about their company and the amazing work they're doing in the renewable energy space in Nigeria. So I hope you enjoy this. This episode is hosted by Jennifer Anya and uh, let's jump right into the conversation. Um, can you please introduce yourself so I mean our audience can get to know who you are a bit better? Um, I am Anya Dasolom, the CEO of Brandsource Energy, which does um, renewable um, hybrid renewable micro utilities in Nigeria. Alright, that's good. Um and if I might ask, your professional career didn't just start from here. There must have been something that must have led up to this. So if you can give us like a briefing of what you used to be do before and how it all led to where you are at the moment, this would be really great. Um before Rensource, just before Rensource, I was at Jumia, uh e commerce. I did a number of things there, everything from operations to commercial and um, before that I did a number of things manufacturing consulting a little bit of finance so I, I, I've been a little bit of everywhere really. Oh, that's quite interesting and um, how different has it been moving from Jumia which is pretty much into um, um, FMC, FMCG, if I'm not mistaken, down to energy, like how different has that been for you? Um, for clarification, for those who don't know, FMCG refers to fast moving consumer goods. So these are goods that are in the market and in the next, say, one hour, two hours, like in less than a week, they're usually like out of stock and stuff like that. Um, Jumia is not just FMCG, Jumia does everything really so it's just that it's e-commerce in in terms of the difference i i was in a number of roles but generally in management and um in rentals i'm also in fairly general management so in a certain way it's not that different in that what you're trying to do is understand the business drivers and design to enable them as much as possible but in terms of the core focus and maybe the technicality of operations of course is a huge difference when you're looking at energy there's a lot of hsc and compliance um and when you are more early stage startup the drive um that you're working with is on a different level because you're building everything from the so uh, i think those are the main differences yeah and did you at first was it quite easy for you to like garner your way through this or you had to like start so maybe say you, you, you have to like fall back to the books a little bit to understand what some of the terminologies were because, I mean, that was what crossed my mind when I first saw your bio. I'm like, okay, she moved all the way from this to that. I mean, are there a couple of things I must have like, okay, this is quite different from what I knew before. Okay, I have to like ask questions about this and that and all of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think to be good at any role, you always have to study up. Uh, even where you're not like in a science or technical um, field, you, you generally have to study so that you don't miss things that have already, you don't want to reinvent the wheel basically. So you're trying to do study and research to make sure you can apply 
you know, things that have been done elsewhere, perhaps to what your use case is. Um, but for renewable energy, sure, definitely I had to understand the different elements of installation, the things that inform system design. You, you have to get very nitty gritty because if not, you can't design the processes for the business. So in that way, there was a lot of study. I spent a lot of time with the engineers on uh, installation and how to optimize, um, how to standardize and so on in a way that you, you wouldn't necessarily have to do in other businesses. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of study on that. Yeah, and and um, for rentals, really, why specifically SMEs? I know that the market is pretty large in North East residential. We have SMEs, and then we have the larger companies. Why why is rentals specifically geared towards SMEs? Well, it's a good question. We actually started out as a residential business. I think that there are, but then we pivoted to SMEs uh, for many reasons. One is that we started working on several Gary markets, and it was just so consuming in terms of resources and prioritization that it makes sense to focus on, on, on that. That would, you know, that's how it started. But then as we moved on from a scale and speed perspective, the markets do enable that in that everything is clustered. So basically you, you can build optimization by working in those clusters. I also think beyond that when you're looking at uh, impact, you, you want to focus on people's productive use. So while residential is definitely very important, it's important that people have energy in their homes, it's important that children have access to energy for their studies, etc. You know, all of that is very important. But what you want to do is be enabling people to make money. If you are enabling people to make money, that spreads. And the idea is when you look at what most impacts economic development, there's actually two things. One is education and the other is actually access to energy. Um, and we kind of decided that we would focus on enabling small businesses to move to the next level. Being a small business in Nigeria is quite difficult because you have to focus in a, on a lot of things that are not your core business to be able to do your business. So you're trying to make shoes or something, but to make shoes, you need to get your generator, you need to service your generator, you need to go and deal with you know, the local government, you need to deal with this, you need to deal with that. And our thinking was, if we removed this one element from the SME's stress radar, so they could focus on their, the equipment core to their business and actual production of you know, whatever their business focuses on, then in that way we are contributing to the economic development of Nigeria in general. Yeah, that's that, that pretty much does it for that. And on this car on this journey for you, what has been like some of like the most funniest moments you've had to like encounter, some of the most insightful, some of the most cringing, because I mean at the end of the day, people think it's just about oh count the numbers, have a very straight face, and then go back to your house and then that just ends the whole thing. And for we on the talk here, as much as we talk about the most important things, there's always some sort of icebreaker that comes with that. So, I mean, it will be really good if you get to share some of the cringing moments you've actually had been where you are at the moment, or some of like the most funniest or the insightful that you've also had. 
I think, yeah, I mean, I think when you're in business, you're a startup and all that, people think, oh, this is so glamorous, but, you know, business is fundamentally difficult. It's, 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 it's a grind. Um, and in Rensource, there's been no shortage of that. I mean, I've been up with the team, we're in Cardo at three o'clock in the morning, designing processes. Um, so when we first started Savongary, because we were a residential business, it took a lot of um, redesign and restructuring to be able to implement it fast. And um, you know, basically, I think the first four months of it, I was up till not just me and the rest of the team were up steady one, two, three, four in the morning, literally just redesigning processes, making sure we're tracking the project correctly. Um, and there were times that I would call guys and literally, you know that they're asleep. You're calling someone at like 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, and like, hey, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> how far is this thing? And they're like, oh, uh, blah, blah, blah. Like, the team was just on point. Um, but you have crazy things. There was a time we sent 30 engineers down to Kano, and we had rented a house for them, and then the landlord just came in and decided he didn't want, you know, guys in his building wow. and then he kicked all of them out in the middle of the night and then oh boy. Um, yeah and then um, we you know we were up all night trying to secure different hotels in Kano and um, there's a lot of stories but I think that you know they made us a better business and yeah yeah really good I mean sharing this just gives people really an insight to see that most of the time, on the back end, there's always something that just makes you wonder, wow, people really get to be like this, or wow, like, I I mean, I had no idea, really. And for me, it's sharing the energy story and talking about it from a female perspective, I think they are two different things entirely, because I am not going to, I'm not going to say it's not, it's not, it's not real, but there are less women in the industry. And I think it's also one of the reasons why we have the STEM available at the moment. There are lots of pursuit for women to get into whatsoever industry, really. And I think energy really is one of them. So for you, what has been your, how has, how has your processes been up until the moment, up until where you are right now? And being that it's also the International Women's Month, let me, even week actually, how have you been able to like impact this particular figure as a whole? Um, well, I mean, I, I'm here, so I don't really know what to say. I think that um, it's, well, I say it's difficult. I, I think that not just in STEM, but generally in business in Nigeria, the more senior you, you get, the more conscious you have to be about proving your ability to deliver. Uh, I, I think that it's it's not actually funny enough in rent source that I first had that struggle. The first time I was really aware of the struggle was in uh, Jumia. When when I was working, I, I was younger than a lot of the guys and also physically just smaller than them. And uh, there was a team where we were, we were in control. My team was in control for their team. And it, it sounds funny, but this this would actually happen. What would happen is the guys would come. You'd have like three or four guys, and these are like really physically large men. So six foot, they're all big. And then they would all come and stand around you and physically talk down on you. 
in I don't think they were consciously trying to intimidate me, but it was just kind of a your team needs to move out of the way for us to do what we want. And um, I had to learn to respond to that um, appropriately, such that I my voice pro- became more projected. I had to be more physically confident. I project myself differently, so people understood that, like my team will do its job. You can't just try to intimidate us out of it. And I don't think none of these gentlemen were trying. They were not conscious about it. But for them, it was just this, oh, here's this new girl in the way of, you know, whatever we're trying to do. Um, they were they were also trying to do their jobs. It's just that, you know, there were new processes in place to control for certain things. And to ensure that we got the job done right, I had to um, carry myself in a way that earned their respect. So they would know that, listen, I can't just go and blast and get what I want. And I found that this is something that is very important, like a consciousness of how you carry yourself and how you project yourself so that people understand, um, people respond to, to what you're trying to achieve. There is the content of your work itself, which must speak for itself and which must be excellent. But there's actually how you deliver your message to um, command respect. Because if you don't do that, then you waste a lot of time. There's a lot of time before people see actually there's a point here. So the message itself needs to be great and the content of the message needs to be great. But the delivery of it and the consciousness of how that delivery works is definitely a big deal. I think for me, that's something I learned. I had to learn over time. Um, and in you know, I learned it a bit earlier in my career, even before I joined Rensource. Uh, in Rensource, to be honest, being a woman hasn't been a. It's, I think Rensource is a particularly conscious company. Even before I joined, it, it was fairly conscious of trying to strike the right balance. So. In that way, Rentos doesn't have some of those struggles. But of course, in the industry, and especially because we deal a lot with, um, with we're, we're up country a lot, we're outside Lagos a lot. There are traditional norms, there's things that people are used to in Nigeria. So when you're speaking to some of these people with perhaps different cultural values, you must be conscious of striking the right balance between ensuring that they understand that you are in charge of something and you are trying to deliver something that is of value to them and their community versus respecting their own cultural norms such that um, such that they don't feel you are slighting them. Um, I think that's a balance one will always have to strike, um, especially if you're doing business in more in more traditional parts of the world. And you know it's it's a judgment call really, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, then I'm going to speak specifically as you as a person and how you've built yourself and how you've built your brand. Um, my question here is, what are the contributions to your success um, To your success at the moment? Um, are you self-motivated? Are you one that draws motivation from people around you? Uh, did your parents have some sort of higher stake to play in where you are at the moment? Or even as a little 
still coming out of the university, did you see yourself going this far and do you still see yourself going farther than where you are at the moment? Um, as an individual, am I self-motivated? I think I'm extremely motivated as an individual. Not to sound funny, but I've always been that way. I, 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 since I was a child, I've been the same way. And I, I, I don't really know how else one might work. I think, I, well, actually, that's not true. I wouldn't say everybody is self-motivated, but most people are motivated towards something. Um, in, 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 in my case, mine has translated perhaps in my professional career. Um, in terms of what contributed to it, um, my parents for sure. I think that I'm very, first of all, I'm very close to them and I'm very, I, I respect them a lot and their drive and their own accomplishments. So, you know, I, I come from a family that expects certain things and, you know, it's, it's just, it's like, part of my life. I don't know how to speak to it, but it's always been the case. In terms of where I am today, um, you know, one always hopes to continue to do better uh, and continue to try and impact. I think that if one is privileged and in a country like Nigeria, um, you know, there is a responsibility to add value. Um, and it's my hope that I continue to do that in one way or that is pretty good. Um, moving from there, are there like say anything to you that I've wanted to like told your younger self? Um, is there anything I would have wanted to tell my younger self? I think I would have probably told her to calm down a little bit. You don't need to know. Wow. Every, <laughs> every single thing on that. One thing you learn, especially I learned this after I had children, not previous to having children, is like you can't control everything. Um, um, so my younger self was very like, okay, so in the next one year and in the next two years, you know, like, I, I think sometimes one just has to live, you know, there's a balance to life. You find that even people that are less plan every step still get where they're going and they do well. So there's no, there's no need to feel like you need to run all the time. Sometimes just live and enjoy life. It's probably, I, I would have told my younger self that. Uh, apart from that, not much. Oh, I feel like that spoke to me specifically. Anyways, all right, moving on from there. Um, you talked about kids, and um, this might be very sensitive, but speaking of, or speaking from a country where we are socially and will I say that we are socially concerned about how how long or the timeline we put on a woman in the sense that okay between X and X you're supposed to get married between X and X you're supposed to have kids already between X and X you're supposed to start working and all of that I mean how have you been able to like weave yourself through all of that because honestly these are questions that I still see people ask me. Although I'm not married, but I, I'm going to answer the question because I think it's a question a lot of younger women find helpful. But I always find it peculiar that you know it's only women that are asked this. But I'm still going to answer. Um, and basically, for me, it's not something I was uber conscious about. That might be because 
I, I mean, obviously, I'm married and I have kids, so in, in, in theory, I, I did it the Nigerian way. But I, I don't think it's something that is necessary to follow. And I also think people need to be conscious about it. I think um, people take for granted the impact that doing, quote unquote, the right thing for, for your family or your society, but not necessarily the right thing for you. People take for granted the impact that can have on, 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 on one's um, performance. And it has an, an outsized impact on women because, you know, in Nigeria, in the home, it's women that bear the vast majority of the domestic burden. I think th there are some marriages that are different and, you know, things are more balanced. But for most people, it's women that are bearing most of the domestic burden. If you do that, so you get married, you're not clear that you're ready to get married or that this is really, truly the right person for you, but you're trying to tick the box. It can really be very dangerous. Um, and I'm not saying this in any cliche way. Like, you, you know, maybe the guy is an okay guy or something, but he's not respectful of your own sense of what you want to achieve and where you're trying to go. It, it will hinder that because you're bearing the, the home budget and the work budget. And so I always try to tell people, like, be conscious of what your priorities are. I think if your priorities are to have that home life, then it's, it, that's fine. That's good. Prioritize that, you know. But if your priorities are your professional life, then you need to be very conscious about making the right personal decisions. So I'm not trying to say marriage takes away from that because I, okay. it does it for me. Do you understand? Like, quite frankly, yeah. I think I'm fairly fortunate. Um, but it could if you mistakenly got married to the wrong person or you know something goes wrong, you know. And I just think people need to be conscious of what they're looking for in their personal lives and how that impacts their professional lives because. This idea, especially, you know, in Nigeria, it's like, the joke is that when you're in university, you should not be dating anybody. And then immediately you're doing NYS, it's like, where's your husband? Um, True that. that. That whole thing of just switching it up overnight and just creating that fake pressure on me, there's a, a high likelihood of feeling pressured into marrying and then marrying the wrong person. And every time someone is unsure, I tell them don't do it because you you don't know where it will lead to and there's time. It's like you're going to be married forever. Why why do you need to do it when you're like, I don't know what the right age is nowadays, when you're like, I don't know what the age is. But there's, there's no rush on it to me personally. But, you know, one has to be respectful of the context people are in. It is difficult to go home every day and so on and say, when are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? That is, that is difficult. Um, so it's more about just trying to be conscious and finding the right balance and strength to know what one can handle based on what your priorities are. If your priorities are your home life, by all means, by all means, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, go for it. Um, but if your priority is your professional life, then you have to make sure that you're doing the right thing in your personal life that won't take away from your professional life. Mm. 
So that's pretty good. So at the end of the day, from what you're saying, I think you mean to say that everybody specifically has their own timeline. There's no like a specific timeline that has been put in place that says, oh, this person, every lady must do this at a particular time of their life. No. Yeah, there's no, you know, that should be the case. But if you're the one under pressure, you may not feel like that. But the only thing I would say is, Statistically, this is not even a matter of like conjecture or anything. Statistically, there's nothing that affects a woman's professional career more than who she marries. Because, because for obvious reasons, you marry the right person, then you guys move forward together and you're balancing it all out. If you marry the wrong person and then it goes wrong, you're probably the one that's going to get saddled with the kids you're probably the one that has to make the adjustments in their life. So you're more likely to be impacted by a bad marriage than a guy, as a woman. So one has to be very conscious about doing the right, or let me say, uh, about what you consider to be a good partner when you're getting married. There's nothing wrong with marriage, it's just the type of marriage you're entering and, and the considerations you make before you do so. Oh, okay, then. All right. So, um, before we end this, I'd like you to give, say, a couple of advice for women starting your professional career. Maybe say specifically to in the energy industry, because, um, one thing I've also noticed is, I don't know if this question is, I don't know if you if you'll be able to answer this, but most of the questions I get is, okay, I'm coming out of the university or I'm about to enter the university. I don't know what specific course that I want to do, but I want to work in the energy industry. I know you don't have a background in this, but you are in there already. But then I think some sort of advice that you would give to younger people or younger folks just starting up that want to definitely be in the, that want to have a professional career, specifically geared towards women, really, what would you have for them? Okay, so for careers in general, I think, and it's not specific to women, the first thing is, especially if you're here, it is highly unlikely that in the first few years of your career, you're going to earn enough to, to, to take you wherever you want to go in life. Okay, so the beginning of your career is really to set the tone for who you are professionally. You really shouldn't pay attention to money at the beginning of your career. And this is easier said than done because there's a big difference between 150,000 Naira and 300,000 Naira or whatever your salary is. But the thing is that it, no matter, even if you're getting paid, I don't know what people consider a big starting salary, let's say 500 or 700 a month, it, it, it's not going to solve all your problems. So if you look at it that there are people in Nigeria that are earning like a lot, a lot of money a month, and you want to get there. And let's say you give yourself a five to seven or eight year time span to get there. Then the first two to three years of your career, you shouldn't care how much you earn. What you should care is what is it putting on your CV and what skill sets and mindsets are you learning. Which means you should be focused on working for the right person. Um, so you should be focused on having the right manager or set of managers in the right company that's going to expose you to the right things. Um, that and to to be exposed to the right things, you need to be better than everyone else because what happens is your manager will give you work knowing that you're solving this problem. So they don't need to micromanage you. They don't need to think, oh, I've given XX work. I need to check on XX every two seconds. No, 
if your manager gives you something and you deliver, the next time they're going to give you more, which means you're you're learning more than everyone around you, and therefore you're getting better than everyone around you. So you need to be focused on excellence and skill sets at the beginning of your career and out delivering everybody. That's all you need to be doing. Sometimes I find like people will start their career and <laughs> like my nephew, he he would he, he started an internship. And I would see him, he'd be back by like six o'clock, five o'clock, he's back at home. And I'm like, what are you doing in this house? Like, leave this house and stay in your office. If you don't have any work to do, go and beg someone for work. Ask someone to give you work. Tell them you can help them. Even if it's not your department, learn the new skill set. The, the most excellent people I've worked with always do that. They want to learn everything around them. They want to know everything around them. And in that way, they're more prepared than anyone else. When that promotion or that new opportunity comes, they're ready. There was this girl I worked with um, in Jumia, who was in my department. And she would follow the guy that was in charge of business intelligence home. She would literally sit in his car next to him as he drove and do his work on his laptop so he would be instructing her what to do. And she did that for six months. Of course she became the team because she not only knows commercial operations, she knows analysis. She, she has basically been privy to business intelligence around the entire company. Of course she can give better insights than anyone in the department. So of course when an opportunity comes, she feels it. This was someone that would call me at like one in the morning. I'm sleeping and she would call me to verify how to input the correct Excel formula. And that's what people need to understand. You have to live and you have to have fun and you know do all that. But if you want to be the best, you need to work accordingly. So it's really just about applying yourself fully such that you are outlearning and outskilling everybody. And that's all you should be doing at the beginning of your career. And then later you can be thinking about the fanciness of the business name, is it the right brand, is it the right pay. But at the beginning of your career, you're just trying to be the best. That's all. You're trying to outwork, outsmart, outdeliver everybody. Oh, this was really insightful. I really do appreciate and on behalf of everyone that's going to be listening to this, I am definitely sure that we'll be taking away more than two from this. Um, and on that note, I'll have you go. I'll let you go because I know you have lots of work to do today. So thank you for having us on the talk today and have a very good productive day ahead. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Now, this was a very interesting episode. Because when I was listening back to it, it was a lot of eye-opening uh, insights to things that I didn't really know. So uh, I'm a guy, obviously, as you can tell. So I don't exactly uh, relate to most of the things they're talking about. But just as a way of uh, future reference to how to relate to female colleagues in the industry and how to be uh, aware a bit about the challenges they're going through and make sure you're not uh, putting yourself up as a hurdle instead of as a 
as a support which all colleagues are supposed to be to each other so i hope you enjoyed this one and i hope if you're a female listener you got inspired by this and you're kind of galvanized to work hard and get into the industry if you are a guy i hope you learn something new as well and you gain more respect for the women you do see in the industry and you do your best if you're in leadership positions as well to make sure that there's representation there's diversity and people feel comfortable progressing through their careers in this industry so I look forward to hearing back from you. If you have any feedback about the episode, you can email us or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Energy Talk. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. And thank you so much for joining us again this week. I hope you have a lovely day. This episode is produced by yours truly, hosted by Jennifer Anya. And thanks to Jensen for the music used in this episode.